0: Hey, boys and girls, my name's Ken B, and this is the Daily Reflection Podcast. And it was like all the episodes of my drinking opened out in front of me, and I realized that I'd hardly ever drunk to be happy. I'd always drunk to escape from being Kenny. You do what the Dalai Lama says, life is trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing. And that's what the sixth step is. The program of AA gave me a second chance at life. Welcome
1: to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L and Lee M. On this show, we try to bring inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We're not affiliated with any 12-step or recovery programs, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Ken B. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on a podcast app like Apple Podcasts, would love to get a rating or a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. It's going to expand our reach and help us improve the show. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you?
2: Good morning. I am great this morning. How are you, Mike?
1: Fantastic. It's good to see you again. What's on the schedule for today?
2: So this morning is April 4th, and we have with us Ken B from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he's here to share with us his experience, strength, and hope on The Daily Reflection for today, which is Crying for the Moon.
1: Fantastic. Well, Ken, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, It's a delight to be here, Mike. If you wouldn't mind, uh, can you get us started by reading The Daily Reflection for today, April 4th? Absolutely.
0: April 4th, Crying for the Moon. This very real feeling of inferiority is magnified by his childish sensitivity. And it is this state of affairs which generates in him that insatiable, abnormal craving for self approval and success in the eyes of the world. Still a child, he cries for the moon, and the moon, it seems, won't have him. The language of the heart. While drinking, I seem to vacillate between feeling totally invisible and believing I was the center of the universe. Searching for the elusive balance between the two has become a major part of my recovery. The moon I constantly cried for is, in sobriety, rarely full. It shows me instead its many other phases, and there are lessons in them all. True learning has often followed an eclipse, a time of darkness. But with each cycle of my recovery, the light grows stronger, and my vision is clearer. I kind of understand what's going on here, but it, it it doesn't quite match up to my experience. Um, yeah, I had very real feelings of inferiority and, and a childish sense. And I'm I'm an overly sensitive person. Uh, There's no question about it, but I don't think that's, that's a measure of my alcoholism. That, that need for, for approval in the eyes of the world for me, uh, has always been a measure of, of self-protection. I grew up in, in a, uh, with two wonderful parents. They were both really loving people, but they were both also functional alcoholics. My mother was very much afraid that I would, would grow up and pull away from her. And when she got scared, she would get angry at me. So I grew up experiencing the world as, as a very dangerous place, uh, it's It's very hard to to deal with the world when the person who you love most in in the whole world attacks you for for what seems to be no reason, so I learned to protect myself. One thing I learned was that my mother really liked intellectuals when I was very smart I felt safe so i i I'm, I'm really good at intellectual arrogance and uh that cuts me off from lots of people uh, I'm basically afraid of other people it's 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 real work for me to to form friendships and get close to people I learned to use anger as a way of of dealing with emotions I didn't want to feel and that that drives other people away so so for me the issues of alcoholism weren't achievement which is what I get from this reading they were of self-protection, and that's that's a really important thing issue in, in another way because a lot of of what I've read in the literature just cuts right to the heart. It's a, it's a wonderful characterization of me. I remember the first time I read the uh, the passage in the big book about the actor who wanted to be the director and uh, and the person setting up the lights. It was just perfect for me. But there are other things that just don't resonate for me, and one of the things I had to learn uh, was that it didn't really matter, that what was important to me in AA, the thing about the program that I love, is that it gave me a, uh, it gave me a path to follow toward becoming the person I, I always wanted to be. I had my first spiritual experience the summer before I went to college. And I was a mess. I was angry at my parents. I felt worthless. I had no social skills. And I was leaving home for the first time. I was walking on a uh, uh, municipal golf course in Baltimore. And all of a sudden, something clicked in my head. And everything was different. The colors were brighter. The sharp edges fell off everything. Everything was beautiful. The cars, the people, the grass, the sky, even me, and and I felt comfortable in my own skin. And I walked around like that, high as a kite, but absolutely sober. For an hour, it might have been two. I don't know that my sense of time, which is usually absolutely precise, was just gone. And I walked away with it, with the absolute certainty deep down in my bones that I was part of something so much greater than I was that I could never understand it. And for 50 years, I tried to prove myself wrong, I finally gave up. And AA has given me a path to, to live that way. The idea that I don't have to spend all my time protecting myself was wonderfully, wonderfully uh, modified through the idea of service. I, I got into service very early. I took a couple of coffee commitments. I've uh, been general chair for several meetings over the years. About two years into sobriety, my my wife's mother came up from Florida, and my wife said, we're going to go to wilkes Fair on Tuesday. Uh, would you drive us? And there was a time when I would have grumbled and thought, oh, I'm going to have to... Kill a whole day doing this said I don't want to do it but that didn't happen I, my mind had been conditioned to just go into this emotional gear of service and i drove them up and i wasn't i didn't care about myself i was there to be of service and i actually had a wonderful time aa has been has, has been wonderful for me aa has
1: has taught me the same getting out of myself getting into service not only in the program but in my life, getting into service and thinking of others, it's a wonderful thing, but a foreign concept to someone who has not yet reached a point where they need to get into recovery. So tell me a little bit about what brought you into the rooms of of AA.
0: I was a high bottom drunk. Um, by 1995, I had been drinking for about 25 years and the thrill was gone. I, you know, it just it just wasn't doing it for me, and then my father died. And when my father died, two things happened. First was I didn't have the emotional tools to grieve, and so all that feeling just came up and 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 became depression. And the other thing was my father had been the person who uh, who uh, protected me from my mother's anger, and he was gone. And so the, between the two of them, I went into this depression. But it was like. Uh, Like I was walking around with this black cloud over my head. And I can remember sitting on a curb in Philadelphia and thinking I'll never be happy like other people. In November of 95, I got really angry at my wife about something. And just as I was about to hand her her head, this little voice said, you know, even if you're justified, your anger is way out of proportion for what just happened. And I stopped and I apologized. And it was like all the episodes of my drinking opened out in front of me. And I realized that I'd hardly ever drunk to be happy. I'd always drunk to escape from being Kenny. I thought maybe there was a problem there. So I went to my doctor. And, but she was wonderful. She guided me to AA. And she said, you really have a, a choice here. You can either stop drinking or you can try controlled drinking. And I started going to AA, and I practiced controlled drinking for about four months. And, And at the end of the time, I realized that the reason I hadn't stopped drinking was because I didn't think I was as good as the other people in the rooms. I didn't think I could. That weekend, I had to go home to my mother's with my wife, and we all got drunk. And my mother pulled one of her classic routines. And I remember sitting there drunk, thinking... I don't want to live that way for the rest of my life. I said, I'm going to go home on Sunday and I'm going to have a couple of fingers of Jack and that's going to be it. And it was. And I, I celebrated on, uh, on, on June 9th, it was 1996. And uh, I haven't had a drink since
2: then. First of all, I just want to acknowledge the loss of your father. You told us that story and it seems like it had a profound impact on you. So yeah. I just want to acknowledge that. And so you get into. Alcoholics Anonymous. And what was that like, you know, starting to work the program? How did the how did the working of the steps unfold for you?
0: Steps four through seven have been have been a lifesaver for me. When I came in, I was a rageaholic. I had I had struggled with anger my whole life. I had learned from my mother. I, I grew up in a family where it was always okay to be angry as long as you weren't angry about what was really upsetting you. The sixth step to me is the heart of the program because when you enter the sixth step, you know the habit. I think of them as adaptive habits rather than as defects. You know what the habit is and you do what the Dalai Lama says. The Dalai Lama says life is trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing. And that's what the sixth step is. I love the program. Getting back into meditation was wonderful. I had I had played around with meditation since I was in my 20s and just could never stick with it. Moving through AA, I've learned over and over again how important meditation is to me. The last two years, maybe, I've been extremely serious about, about it. I uh, Now I, I meditate every day, sometimes two or three times. It's been very important. Uh, it's been very important. Um, one of the things that I, th- I think about a lot is how how deeply my life is woven into the fabric of life. Uh, when I came in, I was very very angry at my parents, and uh, at some point I realized that if uh, it was right for me to be angry at my parents, then they should be angry at their parents and their parents and their parents. And pretty soon you're talking about ten percent of the Jewish population of Central Europe, and that's too many people to be angry at. I look at my life. I look at. The fact that I was not a really good father, I was not a bad father either, but I was so self-involved, I was so busy protecting myself from the world that I didn't see the effect I had on my son. One of the things that meditation has helped me with is not beating up on myself over that. I, I learned to be who I was, and I didn't know I had constructed all of that myself. And it's only once I realized that I had constructed it, that I could stop and I could make different choices. The program of AA gave me a second chance at life. It's allowed me to learn to be better with people. It's allowed me to be a, a better husband and a better father. Two years into sobriety, I was finishing up my first book. And uh, my wife and I were, were putting the, uh, the book on diskettes for the publisher. And she was doing one... Procedure one way where there was a second way to do it that I preferred. And I started to get angry about it and I, I noticed it immediately and calmed myself. And I said, Martha, you know, I uh, hope I, I didn't seem angry. Really appreciate what you're doing. And she said, and this was the thing that made it certain I will be in AA forever. She said, Ken, you don't understand. When you were drinking i used to dream i was married to someone who behaves the way you do now i met martha about 35 years ago and within six months we knew that we were soulmates she has given me the freedom to to do the work i've always wanted to do she has given me a kind of support and acceptance that i could never have except, expected another human being would be generous enough to give me. And I was able to give back the gift of a sober Kenny. And it meant that much to her. And so from that point on, I was sold on it. It's beautiful. So with so many gifts and being
1: able to live the life you're living today, what might you tell someone who's on the fence? Maybe they're struggling
0: with addiction, alcohol or other. Uh, What would you tell the newcomer? i sponsored maybe 25 to 30 people over the years. And one of the things I've come to realize is that people don't get sober in their heads. They get sober in their guts and hearts. You can lie. It's so easy to lie to yourself in your when you're in your head. When you're in your gut, you can't. Once you get to that point, it's just remarkable. I, I remember when I first came in, how aggravated, it. I remember sitting at fourth and pine meeting here in Philly, people talking about uh, their sobriety, giving them a life beyond their wildest dreams. And I can remember exactly what I thought, which was, well, I have some pretty wild dreams. What I realized was it wasn't my life that got better. It was my ability to navigate it. I mean, I've been in, enorm- I'm an enormously lucky person. I've, I've I have a wonderful marriage. I have two beautiful grandkids. I'm doing what I've dreamt of doing for 40 years. If I were drinking, even if I had all those things, the chances are I would be miserable. But being sober and practicing a way of living where I'm not captured by my need to protect myself, I wake up every morning and I wonder what I did in a former life to deserve this one.
2: That's powerful. I've heard so many good things. I mean, I've heard compassion for self, compassion for others, learning to let go, being open and willing to accept change and gratitude for this new way of life. I mean, just so many amazing things, Ken. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. As we get ready to wrap up, is there any final thing that you would want our listeners to hear?
0: It takes an enormous amount of courage to get sober, and it takes an enormous amount of courage to start walking along this path. I guess the two things I want to say is, for anyone who's who's thinking about it, please give it a try. I can promise you that it, if you're ready to stop, this is a wonderful, wonderful trip. And for those people who are in AA, especially people who are in their the early years, cut yourself a break. You know, uh, we, we hear so much about people in AA being sick and being self centered. I have never met such generous, good hearted people in my life. Among the people I know, if someone I really dislike came up to me and asked for help, I would do it. I don't know anywhere else where that's true. It has just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. When I talk to some long-term friends, I still get, Ken, are you still going to Lowe's meetings? And I say, yeah. And they say, you're not a real alcoholic. I know real alcoholics. And they're thinking of of falling down drunk, sleeping in their own vomit drunks." And I was never that way. I was a high-bottom drunk. But I realized that the best thing I could say is, well... If you're right, then joining AA was the best mistake I ever made.
1: Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. Truly appreciate it. It was a pleasure, Mike Lee.
2: Thank you, Ken.
1: Thanks so much to Ken for stopping by. And thanks to you, the listeners. Truly appreciate your support. If you want to find us online, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. We're also on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read about recovery from articles from our community blog that daily thanks everybody have a great day